Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're identical, identical twins. twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now, each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite, or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly. I'm Carrie, And, and we're, we're Identical, identical twins. twins. Thank you for finding Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Mm-hmm. This is episode... 86. 86. Is that exciting to anybody? Well, last week, 85 was I know. pretty amazing. I know. We needed to kind of make 86 awesome because we don't want this big drop off after no. 85. 85 was so fun. And it was clearly like all from God. Oh, I know. I mean, because there was no way how we would have found those people at this exact right mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Connecting with the gentleman at Haven today, it was really, really special. Yeah. Yeah. And we had that request to Haven of Rest for months right. to think that we could have done it at another time when they weren't focusing on hymns. It, right. it would not have had the same outcome. So we are so grateful to Charles Morris from Haven today. Yeah. Thank you for having us on the program. And hopefully um, we have some new listeners. Yes. Maybe yeah. from people from the radio show last week. So this is episode 86. We want this to be exciting. This is a, another hymn that we don't know. Right. But, but there's no radio station with it this time around. No, no, no. <laughs> no, but it's definitely exciting to be here for 86. Mm-hmm. Kel, I have to say that I laugh every time I say 86. I know. I feel like it's like a negative number. I know. When I waitressed, right. I feel like we said 86 when we weren't going to serve something. Right. Something was out. I don't know if like the general no, public wait. knows that. What? Something was out? Yeah, something was out. Like we didn't have it in stock or we ran out. Oh, I thought I was a waitress. So I worked at Applebee's when I was in college. I worked at Paparazzi. And then I was a singing waiter. That's right. That's right. So I felt like 86 was like if someone wanted a Caesar Caesar salad without the croutons, when I entered it into the computer, I would say 86 the croutons. Well, maybe that was an Applebee's thing. But for me, it was when something was out, like 86 fettuccine Alfredo. You know, we didn't have it. Oh, gosh, I don't remember. So people out there in the restaurant industry, you have to I know, to you have to us. teach us. <laughs> I don't know. Do you think people even know what 86 is? Is it just us? Well, I don't know if anyone knows what 86 is, and I don't know if anyone knows this next hymn. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so we are doing a hymn that we've never heard of. Again. And even the woman, the girl who suggested it to us, she says it's definitely a less familiar hymn. Right. So we're hoping that some of you know this. Kelly, have you ever heard of it before today? No. No. Have you? No. And it didn't even sound familiar. And when I looked at it, you know, to prepare for the episode, I actually couldn't believe how long it is. It's super long. I feel like this style of hymn has like kind of fallen by the wayside. People aren't singing these kinds of hymns Mm. really anymore. Right. So I think the 258 hymnals that it is in. They're all old hymnals. Yeah, probably. It's not in any new hymnals. No. While Victory and Jesus from last week will be found in newer hymnals. Yeah, and sure. I think continue to be found. As as modern hymnals get published, they will include Victory and Jesus. So the woman who requested it, like, does she yeah. love it? Is it a favorite? Tell she, us. She does. She says she loves it. Her name is Anna. She's one of our Instagram followers. She's from South Mississippi, and she is a church pianist. She oh, says like she us. likes to play this song, oh. which I think for musicians... 
like we bring sort of a different layer of how we feel about the hymn. You know, some people just feel like emotionally connected to a hymn, but you want to feel musically connected. Mm -hmm. Like, do you enjoy playing it? Mm -hmm. Do you enjoy the chord patterns? Do you enjoy the rhythms? Do you enjoy the time signature? There's lots of things that sort of go into it as a musician that may make you like a hymn a little bit more. Mm Or make you like it a little bit less. So she started playing piano when she was 14 years old. Her parents surprised her and for her birthday gave her piano lessons, which is, which is great. And when you start taking piano lessons at 14, you, you know how to read, you know, you may already know a lot about music, you know, through school or through other instruments. And now you're learning to play. That's so different. I mean, we started when we were Five. Yeah, very, yeah, very, very young, young with very limited knowledge. No, but she, as soon as she could learn to read and learn the basics, her piano teacher gave her a hymnal and said, let's go through the hymnal. And learning to play the hymns sort of as your first exposure, yeah, you know, your yeah. initial kind of curriculum of piano mm-hmm. pedagogy. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. So she got really comfortable reading four parts. She said when she started, she would only read soprano line and bass line. Okay. And then kind of fill in by ear. Um, so she did that for a while. And then she just loved playing the old songs. And Aww. she said some of her favorites from when she was yeah. that age Grace, Greater Than Our Sin. Great one. I mean, I kind of wish she would suggest that. That would have been a great one we haven't done. I would love that. And she said, Victory in Jesus. Oh, yay. Isn't that funny? Yeah. But then she said this one. And it's definitely not as familiar, she said. Mm -hmm. But she just likes to play it. She likes to have fun with it. The dynamics can change. The tempo can change. You know, songs that can be really dramatic. Yeah. Can you think of like another hymn that's like dramatic and kind of fun to play that you can change the, the dynamics? Like Just a Closer Walk With Thee? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love um, when you play that. I think maybe not, you know, maybe not dramatic, like in a, in a, you know, aggressive way, but like he lives, you know, like dragging out the ending and being really Mm -hmm. dramatic as you play Mm -hmm. and filling it with flourishes. I think we could do that with Victory and Jesus from last week. Yeah. 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 So she likes this one because it lends itself to that, you know, expressive as a piano dramatic way of playing. Oh, she is going to love this episode. I hope she does. I want to know if other listeners know the hymn. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know the hymn, I want you to listen and learn and maybe it will become one of your favorites. All right. The hymn is called Peace Peace Be Be Still. Still. Which is such an important set of words right, for us. Right. Peace. Be, Be still. still. And I do think that anyone who grew up in the church and knows their Bible stories, yeah. whether from you know Sunday school or VBS, those words conjure up a real image, a story that we all know. Jesus on the boat. Mm-hmm. The storm comes, it's the waves are crashing, the disciples on the boat are panicking and freaking out. You know, Jesus, have you forgotten about us? The, the, the storm is coming. Help us. And Jesus lifts his hands, talks to the waves, and says, Peace, Peace be still. still. So, I mean, of course, that's the hymn <laughs> for this hymn. Yeah. It is Jesus's words from the New Testament. And we love when hymns come right from the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, most hymns have some sort of reference to a yeah. scripture verse, but this is. These are the words. Yeah. These are the words. Carrie said it is a longer hymn. You can kind of maybe understand why it's not sung so often. It's longer. It tells a story. I thought it might be fun to show everyone the refrain. Okay. 
The winds and the waves shall obey thy will. Peace be still, peace be still. Whether the wrath of the storm tossed sea, or struggles or evil, whatever it be, no water can swallow the ship where lies the master of ocean and earth and skies. They all shall sweetly obey thy will. Peace be still, peace be still. They all shall sweetly obey thy will. Peace, peace, be still. I mean, it's it's sweet. It's very sweet. It has these moments, especially soprano and alto. They're just moving so nicely together. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. sound really good together. But then there's some like surprising elements. I know. So I my know. alto part has these chromatic movements. Right. M&M's, always fun. <laughs> chromatic. They don't really stay in the key signature, right. these accidentals. Which, we. it's not that we don't often see chromaticisms in hymnals. No, but of we course. Do. But this case, it's like moving up by half steps. Yeah. It's this gradual and kind of intensifying rising up. Right. Where eventually you go from octave to octave. Right. The melody goes from octave to octave going up like kind of chromatically. And I think that that like kind of signifies the waves getting right. bigger and bigger and bigger. It definitely has like a waving, lilting feel to it. Yes. And again, I think that's the time signature mm-hmm. too. You have the six, eight time. Mm-hmm. We're just, uh, we're M&M's, just, yeah. always fun. And we're that's just, giving you all the music theory in that one episode. definitely has like a rocking motion, mm-hmm. kind of a swaying motion. If you felt like you were listening and you, I don't know, wanted to kind of sway back mm-hmm. and forth, that, that makes sense. And that makes you think of maybe rocking on a boat. Right, right. So I am just taken right back. I mean, you know what hymn I'm talking about. Yes. A hymn that we that we loved on Hymn Talk Twin Talk, episode 34. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. That song tells another great story of right. Jesus on the water. Right. You know, this time Jesus is walking on the water. And is it Peter? Peter yeah. who, yeah. who you know, steps he, out. Steps out, you know, but then he gets nervous and he falls and Jesus has to pull him up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Love Lifted Me is in 6-8 time too. Right. If you haven't listened to episode 34, you should go back and listen to it. I know, it's kind of funny because very similar to this, it's a scripture, it's a story, it's a gospel song, it's about water, it's lilting, um, but it's Love Lifted Me is like one of our favorite hymns. Yes, one of our favorites. And interestingly enough, just something to connect these two hymns, Love Lifted Me was written by two hymn writers who were friends. Mm -hmm. They worked together, they Mm -hmm. wrote together, and the two hymn writers behind Peace Be Still work and collaborate together. Yeah, Yeah. I'm sure they were got along great. I would like to think they did. <laughs> Except they were a man and a woman, not two men. But they weren't married. No. No. Okay. I really want to hear the rest of this hymn. I want okay. our listeners to yes. hear verse one, verse two, verse three, because they're all very different, but so clever how they put them all together. So our good friend, Raluca Bajor, she's going to play for us. So Raluca has an awesome hymn ministry and Kelly, she's writing modern hymns. Yeah, I mean, she is so wonderful. She was playing hymns. She had an awesome piano ministry. Mm -hmm. And I would say within the last year, maybe year and a half, she really focused on her writing and she's writing modern hymns. So we actually want to feature one of her hymns on the podcast. Oh, that would be so great. absolutely need to. Mm. So she is going to play the music for us and let's read these words. We're going to read verse one, 
And then we'll read again the refrain, but then just two and three. Okay. So you can hear it. Yeah. Okay. Here is Peace Be Still. Master, the tempest is raging. The billows are tossing high. The sky is o'ershadowed with blackness. No shelter or help is nigh. Carest thou not that we perish? How canst thou lie asleep when each moment so madly is threatening a grave in the angry deep? winds and the waves shall obey thy will. Peace be still. Whether the wrath of the storm-tossed sea, or struggles or evil, whatever it be, no water can swallow the ship where lies the master of ocean and earth and skies. They all shall sweetly obey thy will. Peace Peace be be still. still. Peace be still. They all shall sweetly obey thy will. Peace be still, peace be still. Verse 2. Master, with anguish of spirit, I bow in my grief today. The depths of my sad heart are troubled. Oh, waken and save, I pray. Torrents of sin and of anguish sweep o'er my sinking soul. And I perish, I perish, dear Master. Oh, hasten and take control. Verse 3. Master, the terror is over, the elements sweetly rest. Earth's sun in the calm lake is mirrored, and heaven's within my breast. Linger, O blessed Redeemer, leave me alone no more, and with joy I shall make the blessed harbor and rest on the blissful shore. And those are the three verses. They're very beautiful and impactful and descriptive and descriptive, but they're kind of old fashioned. I mean, like you really have to like, (laughs) you really have to think about what they mean. I mean, this is not the way people talk. No. And I have to wonder if it was really quoting, you know, the King James with all the ESTs and the Mm -hmm, vows, mm -hmm. but let's just look at the words because the first verse is exactly the Bible story. Master, the tempest is raging. The billows are tossing. The sky is overshadowed with blackness. No shelter or help is nigh. And they say, carest thou not that we perished? What does the Bible say? (laughs) So the story of Jesus on the boat with the disciples in the storm appears in two gospels. You can read it in Matthew 8 and you can read it in Mark 4. I'd like to read Mark 4 for everyone. Okay. um, Because I think it follows the hymn just a little bit more. So this is Mark 4, verses 36 to 41. Mm -hmm. Okay. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? 
So that is clearly, Carrie, the hymnspiration for verse one. Oh, definitely. It is the disciples on the boat. Mm-hmm. And I can picture singing this hymn on a day where the pastor is preaching on those scriptures. Yeah. It's perfect. But now let's move because it doesn't just stay in the past. It doesn't just stay with Jesus on the boat. Let's look at verse two's words. Right. So verse two, we're saying there's anguish and grief. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's almost like the storms and the torrents of the water are metaphorical. Right. So this is something personal. Mm -hmm. And it says that torrents of sin and of anguish sweep over my sinking soul. And I perish. Yeah. I perish, dear master. It is so much grief and sadness that you feel like you're dying. And the last line of verse two, which I think is really the saving grace because that verse is very sad, is, oh, hasten and take control. Do what you did to the waters in verse one and do that to me. Do that in my life. Please take control because this is too much for me. So there's your verse two. So verse one is like in the past and it's a very real Mm -hmm. literal Mm -hmm. story of what Jesus did in the New Testament. And then verse two is this, you know, figurative storm in people's lives, Mm -hmm. which I think both stories people can relate to. Right. Both verses are relevant to our people today. Even though, you know, it has the old fashioned language, it still is that story that we know and love in verse one. And then in verse two, it is testimonial. It is our life. And then in verse three, we see what a lot of hymns do. Mm -hmm. You know, in the end, there's going to be peace. There's going to be joy. There's going to be deliverance Mm -hmm. because we will be with with Jesus in heaven. Mm -hmm. I love this because we see that. We say, you know, the terror is over. We're at rest. It's the blessed harbor, the blissful shore. Yes. So I do see that there's you know, the reference to heaven, but I also see this as just when we turn our life over Mm -hmm. to Jesus, we have that peace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So not that everything's going to be perfect, but we just know we have him. Yeah. There's a few levels, you know, of understanding in this hymn. One of them I think is definitely the blissful shore in heaven. Of course. You know, but when the hymn writer writes linger, Oh blessed redeemer, leave me alone. No more. He's saying, just stay with me. Mm -hmm. Just be my savior. Mm -hmm. Be my guide, be my King. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I don't have to be alone anymore. Right. And remember, those these verses never stood alone. They had that refrain right. in between. So the refrain in between was Jesus' words. Jesus saying, peace be still. They all shall sweetly obey thy will. So they all, who's they all? Well, it's you know right. the waters in verse one, but it's also just the torrents of my life. They will go away. They will be silenced because of Jesus. So then it makes sense that in the third verse, it's what happens after Jesus says, peace be still. Yeah, it's so great. Well, it's funny because it's 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 a little deeper right. than I think our friend from Miss, uh, from Instagram kind of led on. She seemed to like it because of the fun accompaniment and it was fun to play and right. fun to sing. But really, when you look at the words, there's a lot there. Well, she did. I mean, she gave us like her hymn take. Oh, you tell know. us. Oh, tell yeah. us. So she she said that she loves verse two because it's so personal. She says, Jesus is our refuge in sin, mm. fear, anxiety, grief or anything. He is our refuge. And she says, we can trust the one who calms the storms because he is sovereign over all things. 
<clears throat> Attention, please. That is a direct quote from Anna in Mississippi. I honestly feel like we could end the podcast right I mean, here. That's well, such I, a great <laughs> hymn take. It's so funny because I wasn't going to share her hymn take until the end the when end. we shared ours, <laughs> yeah. but then we sort of had, I had to yeah. bring it up. Yeah. She gets this hymn. Yeah. Yes, she thinks it's fun to play, but right. she, gets she gets it. it. And I mean, she's a skilled pianist. Yeah. So my guess is that the accompaniment vastly changes on that verse too. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure it changes. So, I mean, even though we don't know it, yeah. you know, it must have been popular in its day. So it was written in 1874. Okay. Another old one. Uh, definitely an old one. And it was sung at many funeral services for the assassinated president, James Garfield, that were held in his honor throughout the country. Kelly, I just learned about James Garfield. Oh. So when we were on our road trip in Ohio, oh, yeah. we found that Ohio has eight presidential homes because wow. eight former presidents were from Ohio. Hmm. William Henry Harrison doesn't really have a home, but whatever. There's eight former presidents in Ohio. So we wanted to learn about all of them. So I actually read about James Garfield. So he has a very short presidency. Okay. After only 200 days in office, mm -hmm. he was assassinated. But they say there's this kind of like story they tell, right. like it wasn't the assassination that killed him. It wasn't the gunshot. It was the doctors. Right. So the doctors mistreated him and, you know, they didn't have the rules of sterilization that we have nowadays, but there were really some quack kind of things that happened. Mm -hmm. And they say the doctors killed him. He was injured by a gunman and killed by doctors. And he lingered in poor health for right. 80 days. So 80 days, the newspapers reported on his condition and the whole nation watched and prayed. And yeah, he was. He finally died on September 19th, 1881. I mean, it was so, so sad so learning sad. about him. And he actually, so we were in Cleveland. He does have a grave in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And it's supposedly this big, beautiful burial place, better than all the other presidents. Yeah, it's the best know. one. I mean, no other president is buried like this. He has a permanent, massive brick tomb with an observation deck that offers a splendid view of Cleveland. I mean, I mean, it's like a tourist attraction. Yeah, like, why didn't we go there? And his wife was placed in her tomb right next to him right. or in her casket, really. Right, right, right. And both caskets are completely visible. They are not under the ground. They are visible. And they're together. And you can tell which one is James Garfield's because it has the flag over it. Right. So there's these two caskets for the president and his wife. And I don't know if this is like creepy. <laughs> but on a nearby pedestal are two urns that contain the cremated ashes of Garfield's daughter and son-in-law. So they're all together. They're all together. And so they had multiple funeral services throughout right. the country. And it is reported that this hymn was sung and played at multiple funeral services around the country. Okay, and we have a quote from the hymn writer right. who, of course, you know, is alive and it, at the time and the knows time. that the hymn is being sung mm -hmm. in the funeral. So this is what she said. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Attention, please. Mm -hmm. During the weeks when our nation kept watch by the bedside of our greatly beloved President Garfield, it was republished as especially appropriate to the time and was sung at some of the many funerals services held throughout the United States. Mm-hmm. All right, so we have to talk about this hymn writer. Okay. This is our hymn writer, a woman. Oh, yes. it's so great that we get another female hymn writer. It's so great. Her name is Mary Ann Baker, or she's also called Mary Eddie Baker. And honestly, the research for this woman was kind of tricky because her name is so common. 
Mary is a very common name. Yeah. Anne, Anne is a very common name. And then Eddie and Baker and Baker and Eddie in various combinations are kind of common. Mm-hmm. So before we dig into Mary Ann Baker, okay, I have a quiz for everyone. It is called, is this our Mary Ann Baker or someone else? Well, we're going to figure this out, Gary. Okay, so Mary Ann Baker is what she's called, but she's also called Mary Baker Eddy. Mm -hmm. And she is a hymn writer from New York. Yes. And then she moved to Illinois, so she is a hymn writer. Mm -hmm. So you're going to ask me some questions about her, and Mm -hmm. I have to tell you if they really are her. Or if it's another Mary Mary Ann Eddy Baker. Baker. Eddy. Okay. This woman was an American religious leader and author who founded the Church of Christ Scientist in New England. Oh, I th- we have her in Boston, the Marianne Baker Eddy Library or whatever it's called. So is that our hymn writer? Is that the hymn writer? Or is it someone else? I don't think it's the hymn writer. You're right. It is not the hymn writer. You're right. You're right. So our lady is named Mary Ann Baker or Mary Eddie Baker. The woman who founded the Church of Christ Scientist in New England is named Mary Baker Eddie. And we do have the Mary Baker Eddie Library on Mass Ave in Boston. Yeah, I've been there. Mm-hmm. Okay, who was an accomplished oil painter? Huh. Could our hymn writer be an oil painter? You know what? I don't think she is. No, she is an oil painter. Oh, Sorry, Kara. Good for her. Wow. She, in fact, in her later years, she devoted more time to painting. In one of the census lists, her occupation was listed as artist. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she really was cool. an artist. Yeah. Cool. An artist and a poet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who famously said this quote, divine love always has met and always will meet every human need. Ooh, I think it's her. I think it's the hymn writer. No, it's not. Sorry, it's Mary Baker Eddy, the, the founder way. of Church okay. of Christian Scientist. Okay. Is this our hymn writer? She was a religious and medical missionary, and she was the first woman to obtain a license to practice medicine in the Middle East. I mean, <laughs> hymn writer, artist... I do not think that she went to the Middle East to be a doctor. You are right. That, of course, is Dr. Mary Pearson Eddy. Okay. (laughs) All right. Another one. A famous quote. Is this our Mary Baker who said, God's way is best? I'm going to say, yes, that's her. That is her. Good. Mary Ann Baker. She said, God's way is best. We agree, right? Yeah. All right. Um, One more. Is it our Mary Eddie Baker, who this restaurant was named after? Mm. Mary Eddie's Dining Room in the heart of downtown Oklahoma City. I'm going to say no. (laughs) No, you are totally right. That restaurant is named after Mary Eddie Jones. Okay. Who is the wife of Fred Jones and grandmother to the Hall family. It embodies her spirit of hospitality, adventure, and delicious food. All right, let's go to Oklahoma for dinner. (laughs) It was so fun finding all these other Mary Baker Eddie's Eddie's Bakers. So you do the Google search and like you never know what's going to pop up. You just never know. And she had kind of an interesting life with her work. Um, with the temperance union, her yeah. work as a hymn writer, uh, and and she just had a lot of information, and I had to kind of sift through what was her and what was right. someone else. So her name is Mary Ann Baker, but she's sometimes referred to as Mary, Mary Eddie, Eddie Baker. Baker. Okay, 
Well, let's hear about her. She was born on September 16th in the year 1832 in Oswego, New York. It might be Oswego. We're not quite sure. Um, Unfortunately, she had kind of a tumultuous upbringing. She was the first child of Joshua Baker and Catherine Eddy, which we know a Kathy Eddy. I know we do. And that's where the Eddy comes from. You know, they gave her both parents names. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. She ended up, her whole family moved to Michigan when mm-hmm. she was a young child, and her father died there. He was only 39 years old. Mm-hmm. And there was also an infant sibling who died there, and her name was Elsie. Yeah. She was one month and 26 days. Right. And so with the father's death, it left behind the mom with three young daughters, our Mary, mm-hmm. and then Lucina, who was born in 1835, so three years later, mm-hmm. and Eliza, who was born in 1837, two years later. So this is this tumultuous upbringing. They move to Michigan, they have a baby die, and they have the dad die. So eventually when Mary was 11 years old, I mean, that's still pretty young. She's only 11. Her mother remarries, and her new husband is named David Ripley, and they have two more children, a son named William and another daughter named Rhoda. But by 1850, I mean, that was only seven years together, Cal. By 1850, she was a single mother again. With five young children. Oh my goodness. And we don't really know where the father went. No, we don't know what happened to David Ripley. I'm sure maybe we could, you know, do a lot more digging to find out. But at that point, uh, the mom, Catherine Eddy, moves back to New York. And in 1855, she marries what is just called a relative. She marries a relative and his name is Ephraim Potter. And he's a widower who has four children of his own. So between the two of them, they now have nine children. (laughs) They didn't understand that eight was enough. (laughs) So Mary, our Mary, returned to Michigan. So cool. Which was where she spent the bulk of her life. So she probably wanted to go back there. She probably didn't want to go to New York, even though she was born there. And she worked as a typesetter and lived in Kalamazoo with her sister, Rhoda. Rhoda and Mary in Kalamazoo. Yeah. This is like a sitcom. <laughs> it is like a sitcom. And they worked as a typesetter. Did they work like in a newspaper? <laughs> Rhoda and Mary in Kalamazoo. Mm-hmm. So do, are our listeners old enough to know? I don't know. Rhoda and we're, Mary. We have a lot of We're TV. dating ourselves. We have a lot of TV. Uh, I mean, Rhoda and Mary were before our time. Reruns. We watched it in reruns. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So they're living in Michigan. They're working together. And I don't know. I just, I've kind of like romanticized the story of the two sisters, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. living, working in, in the big city, Kalamazoo. Right. Um, but unfortunately, at some point, Rhoda is getting married and they can't live together anymore. I mean, really, Rhoda's husband was like, yeah, your sister <laughs> is not out. living with us. <laughs> I understand. I I don't even know why she got married. (laughs) (laughs) She should have just stayed with Mary. So Mary is in Kalamazoo with the sister who's married and doesn't really know where to go. So she moves to a whole brand new place. It's kind of shocking to me. She moves to Chicago. And she's living near another brother and sister, Lucina who is probably, I think, the closest in age. And then William, who was from her mom's second marriage. So I'm hoping she had a pretty good life. She had to deal with a lot of death. She had to deal with the loss of multiple 
stepfathers, right. which we don't really know the story of. And by 1870, Ephraim died, the last husband, and her mom died of tuberculosis. This is 1870. She's lost multiple people in her family. She's almost 40. And she connects with a Chicago publisher called Root and Katie. And Root and Katie published a hymn of hers called No, no More the, the Empty, Empty Name. Name. And she... She wrote the music and words. Now, for as far as we know, this m- might have been her first right. ever hymn. Right. We have no record of her writing anything more. Do you want to sing this for people? I mean, we can try. No more the empty name. name. Which I totally want to say tomb. I know. No, no more, more the, the empty, empty tomb. tomb. It's written by Mary A. Baker. It has a tempo marking. It says it should be slow. Okay. It's in 4-4 four, four and slow. And then for the chorus... It says faster, and it's in 6-8. Right. Do you want to try it? All right. So this is her probably her first hymn, mm-hmm. No More the Empty Name, published around 1871. Okay. No more the empty name. No more the weary frame. No more the conscious smart. No more the aching heart. Okay, that's the verse one. That's slow. Yes. And now we move to the chorus, which is in 6, 8 and faster. Okay, here we go. In heaven, beautiful heaven, with its glory and gold and gems, with its living light and robes of white, palms, harps, and diadems. No sorrow, nor sighing, nor danger, nor dying within that heavenly home. But anthems of praise forever they raise to Jesus who bids us come. All right, that was another hard one. That was tricky, but I actually think the the hymnal that we're looking at is so old. It's right. written in a, in a con, kind of a confusing way, right. so we struggled with that. The words and the notes don't always match. I know. I wonder if we can share the actual manuscript on our social media, because yeah. this is a very old hymnal, and from what we can see, it's dated 1870, which is when, the, when she wrote it. Right. And so it was her f- literal first hymn. And she did the work, Carrie. She went out to right. the publishing company and got them to publish it. Right. Well, and I think what's interesting in this is that she has this element of drama. Yes. You know, the way the verse is so different from the refrain, um, it, it has totally different, you know, musical expression. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even though she didn't do the music for Peace Be Still, right. it that music still captures it. Like maybe mm. she gave input or maybe, yeah. you know, maybe she gave what, how she wanted it to go. Well, what is really awesome is that we hear who she starts to collaborate with next. Yes. And it looks like sometime in 1871. So it just seems like everything started happening. Right. I mean, she's 38 years old. Her, a lot of people in her life have died. She's had to move a bunch of times. And people are getting married. People are getting married like Rhoda. <laughs> Rhoda and Lucina. Well, I mean, you know, she. I think for her, you know, there's like two kinds of grief there. Like, yeah. yes, she's lot losing people because they're dying, mm-hmm. but then she's losing people because they're getting married. And, and maybe there's some sadness because she's not getting married. Yeah. Although, I mean, she's 38. That ship has sailed. <laughs> oh, no. That's awful. Oh, I mean, poor, I mean, poor 
theory. I'm assuming she's already Thinking kind of grieved over that loss. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> okay, okay, so now, so now, she's not getting married, no. so she's not meeting her husband, but she is meeting a partner. Yes, for music writing. Yes, and she partners up with the gospel music composer Horatio, Horatio Richmond Palmer. So I, I don't know if people recognize him, but we talked about him on episode 60, Lord, Lord for, for Tomorrow, tomorrow and, and Its, it's needs. needs. And of course, that was a brand new hymn to us too. Yes. But we loved it. Mm -hmm. We learned about Horatio Palmer for the first time. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. so great that this hymn, even though it's brand new, is bringing us back to a hymn writer that we've already talked about. Right, right. And we did talk about his life. So if you want to learn a little bit more about him, yeah. you can go back to episode 60. But let's talk a little bit about how he partnered with Baker, because it is actually really interesting. They influenced each other's life greatly, mm -hmm. and the, the course of her hymn writing was changed because of Horatio. So it, we kind of don't know how they became acquainted. Well, it was definitely after she had moved to Chicago, and in Chicago, Palmer was serving at the Second Baptist Church as the choir director. And this, Carrie, is a direct quote that Baker said. We have a lot of information on Baker. <laughs> Attention, please. She said, at the time of the Chicago fire in 1871, I was working with Professor H.R. Palmer on lesson songs, he writing the music to my words. We were furnishing two songs a month as lesson helps for the magazine called The International Sunday School Teacher. The fire ended that work. Oh. So she was writing songs about Bible stories. She was writing songs about Bible lessons. So doesn't that make so much sense how Peace Be Still got right. written? She's, There's the Bible story. Right. Horatio Palmer at this time was a seasoned composer. He was a nationally regarded church musician. And they, the fact that they worked together and the fact that they were working on scripture story songs mm -hmm. that supplemented the Sunday school lessons just carved out a path for her. And they had done, they had worked together on 12 hymns. 12 hymns were published in the National Sunday School Teacher, but the Great Chicago Fire stopped that. And probably we can assume it also ruined a lot of their work. Right. Now, we said that Baker and Palmer had collaborated on 12 hymns yeah. for this magazine, but we don't know any of them. I mean, in all of my research, I think I found like two or three. There was Names Written in Heaven, Lead Us, O Shepherd True. There was a hymn called The Tears, and then a hymn called Chained by Sin in Cruel Bondage. So I thought maybe we could look at The Tears. Yeah. And it says Miss M. A. Baker, and the music is H. R. Palmer. That's so great. I love thinking these two people were, you know, yeah. were, which Bible story should we do next? Mm -hmm. Mary and Horatio, it's the sequel to the Mary and Rhoda show. <laughs> they have their own sitcom. <laughs> Mary and Horatio are writing these songs to go with the Bible stories. Well, they write this one, The Tears. Kelly, this is right from Matthew 13. I know, but we had to look it up. It's it's confusing. So Jesus tells the parable of the wheat and the tares. Right. The tares. What's that? The tares. What's that? I mean, we, it's, it's not really, T-E-A-R-S. No. 
we really had to look it up. Yeah. So this story in the Bible, if you want to look at Matthew 13, it's the tares are the weeds that are growing like within the wheat, among the wheat. Right. And it's Satan who's tending to the weeds. Right. To kind of mess up the good wheat. Right. And the angels, Jesus comes and, and saves the wheat from the weeds. And the wheat will be together in eternity right. in heaven singing God's praises. Right. But the tares are thrown into the fire. Exactly. All right. So, so they go, you know what? We need a hymn for this verse. <laughs> we need a song. Well, what's cool about what Mary and Horatio did, they made it a little bit more singable than some of the other songs. Like, yes. you can see that this is a song that's, you know, was meant for kids. Meant to be sung. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, we're seeing this. I think this is like the third hymn in a row where there's a tempo change. And a meter change. Yes. It starts in 6-8, and in the refrain, it goes to 2-4. Two, 2-4. Four. Two, four. So weird. So weird. All right, so see if you can hear that changeover. Right, and this, see if you can hear the story from the Bible. Yeah, this is The, the Tears. Satan the tares is sowing, so earnestly sowing, sowing, and with the wheat they're growing, together growing here. And the angels will gather by and by, by and by, the wheat for the garner of the master on high. The angels will gather by and by, by and by the wheat for the garner of the master on high. I mean, I can totally picture like, you know, kind of old fashioned Sunday schools yeah. singing that. I picture them having like hand motions. Yeah, totally. You know, like the VBS song. Yeah, we they would do be, this at VBS. They'd be throwing up their hands yeah, to, to be yeah. the wheat. And like pulling from the yeah. ground. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it works. Uh, the thing that boggles my mind, though, is we kind of struggle each time we sing it, you know, to get from the 6-8 to the 2-4. They do that four times. I know. And after they get into 2-4, they have to go back, back to the to beginning six, eight. of 6 eight. I just feel like it's unnecessarily complicated. I know. The, the second part could just stay in 6-8. I know. Yeah. But I think there was something happening at this time with him writing where there was meter changes. Because we've seen it now a bunch of times. It was like a trend. Mm -hmm. Are you on trend? Mm -hmm. So going back to Palmer and Baker, their partnership, their collaboration kind of was put to an end after the Chicago fire. Too bad. And um, Palmer eventually relocated to New York. And they kind of started working together again in 1874. And I'm, I'm kind of happy that they found each other again. Palmer was in New York, Baker was in Chicago still, and Palmer wrote to Baker in Chicago, um, and he, he asked her for some new hymns for a new collection he was preparing for publication. Now, she did, she agreed to write, but she was writing after her only brother, William, died. And honestly, Baker's life was profoundly changed by her brother's death. And this is when she became very, very involved in temperance work. She later said this. So this is another direct quote. Mm -hmm. Attention, please. And I think this is very telling. She later said, witnessing the unparalleled suffering that comes to sisters, wives, and mothers through the legalized curse of our land, the rum traffic, 
which is yearly slaying its thousands and tens of thousands in their early manhood and hurrying them into dishonored graves, I have come to feel a keen sense of gratitude for the sweet memories left of my departed brother. God's way is best. So that was from some of her writings against alcohol. And so I feel like she, you know, suffered greatly after her brother's death. She worked and worked. She labored tirelessly to advance the temperance cause as a member of the Women's Christian Temperance Union. And Kelly, she would lead daily Mm -hmm. gospel temperance prayer meetings. She gave speeches and she would write hymns for the cause. Right. She wrote temperance hymns. Right. And that's a lot of the hymns that she wrote later on that, you know, they're not going to be so much in church hymnals, but she did. She wrote hymns against alcohol. And she was very busy. I mean, she's the kind of woman that I would want to be. She was doing a, lots of light writing. She was a member of the finance committee. She, um, she was elected the corresponding secretary of the Chicago WCTU. She helped organize the West Side Chicago WCTU. And she was the recording secretary there. She was elected an alt- alternate delegate for the national WCTU convention. And the following year, she was engaged in temperance work even as far as India. Wow. And she eventually returned to Chicago. Now, on September 17th, 1910, the day after her 78th birthday, she moved into the Baptist Old People's Home at Maywood, Illinois, which is like a suburb just west of Chicago. We saw it. Yeah. And then in October, she lived there for another 15 years. Wow. In October of 1924, a year before she died. Representatives from the Maywood Women's Club learned that she was there. They learned that this famous hymn writer was living there in the old people's home. And they arranged for choirs from all the various churches in Maywood to sing the hymn, Master the Tempest is Raging, or of course, Peace Be Still, to her in her honor. Oh, isn't that great? How amazing that must have been. And then she passed away the next year on September 29th, 1925. She was buried next to her sister, Lucina. She was 93 years old. Wow. She lived such a long life. And because she was kind of well known, whether it was because of her hymn work or her work with Horatio Palmer or her work with the Temperance Union, um, we actually have a copy of her obituary. So This is kind of an exact quote, right? Yeah, of course. This was in the New York Times on October 2nd, 1925. It says just Miss Mary A. Baker, 93, who died Tuesday at the Baptist Old People's Home in Maywood, Illinois, was buried today. She was the author of a famous hymn, the first lines of which are Master the Tempest is Raging, the Billows are Tossing High. A year ago on her birthday, the congregations in many churches sang that hymn in her honor. So it actually talks about I that. I know, it was in the obituary. Yeah, so awesome. Now, for Peace Be Still, you could say the hymnspiration is the Bible story. Mm-hmm. You could say the hymnspiration is Horatio Palmer, who said, hey, I need more songs like this. But the hymnspiration 
was really her brother's death and her living through it. Baker lived through that tragedy. The brother was ill. He was over a thousand miles away. Um, They would all write letters, but they couldn't travel to see him because it was just too far. The story is, is that she learned that he had died and she rebelled against the Lord. And she said that she had no care for her or her family. And she lost her parents, her brother, you know, multiple other members of the family. But eventually God's peace God's peace struck a chord in her heart and she wanted to celebrate her brother William's life and she wanted to hold on to his memory. And that is when she wrote Peace Be Still. She said that she wanted to write an anthem that singers could sing in their darkest days. Isn't, isn't that exactly what Anna said who requested this? Yeah. Yeah, Anna. It, it was all about Jesus being our refuge mm-hmm. in anxiety and grief and depression. That's mm-hmm. It's Jesus who was our refuge. And it's crazy that that hymn was actually sung at funerals. I mean, the President Garfield's, but multiple funerals. Yeah. So it was providing comfort and peace to many, many people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she kind of got what she wanted. So this is another quote by her in one of her writings. <clears throat> Attention, please. Baker said, the master's own voice stilled the tempest in my unsanctified heart and brought it to the calm of a deeper faith and a more perfect trust. So I love that the hymn, Peace Be Still, was with her her whole life. You know, she heard it, you know, the year before she died at the old folks home. They all sang it for her. And it's awesome. It's interesting. It's coincidental that Horatio Palmer has a similar story with this hymn. So Horatio Palmer and his wife were on a trip to Jerusalem and they were on the Sea of Galilee. That was, you know, their tourist stop, right? They were sightseeing in Jerusalem and they're at the Sea of Galilee. And the young people of the mission invited the doctor and his wife to a moonlight boat ride on on the sea, which... Bucket list item, right? Of course. A moonlight boat ride on the Sea of Galilee, and the young people in the boat surprised him and sang, Peace Be Still. Wow. Mm -hmm. They knew he was there. They knew he was. They actually sang a bunch of his songs that like kind of took place because, you know, he did these songs that kind of took place in Jerusalem when Jesus times. So he had a song called Galilee Blue Galilee that they sang, but then they also sang, Peace Be Still. Can you imagine what what that must have felt like for him hearing his hymn? I know. And I think that it's so cool. Like you have this hymn writer, you want to surprise them. You want to do something special, sing Mm -hmm. them their song. Mm -hmm. So it's funny that this song, you know, just to think that there are people in Jerusalem singing it, you know, this song really is worldwide. Yeah. In fact, when I looked it up just to hear performances of it, I heard and could see more singers and musicians from India from various countries in Africa. Mm-hmm. I actually found more outside the United States than I was expecting. Wow. Yeah, so I reached out to these musicians in India. Oh, nice. Oh, my gosh. This isn't the first time we've collaborated with I people know. in India. Thank you. His name is Nishant Emmanuel. Okay. And he has this performing group called Voice of Eden. He is oh. the conductor. And the performing group consists of a pianist and a quartet of singers, soprano, alto, tenor, bass, and a violin. Mm. And, you know, they uh, have arranged it. They are singing it. They have the piano player. Each singer is 
wonderfully talented, but they change their dynamics the same way, you know, oh. Anna was talking about. Yeah. And so they all sing together, but in the second verse, it's right. a solo. So the, the volume comes way down. The texture of the hymn changes because it's a solo right. singer. Right. So yeah, it's kind of cr- expressing, you know, yourself musically, the, the feelings, the emotions of the hymn, and that's what they do with this performance. Aww. So again, they're called Voice of Eden. We're going to share all their information. Okay. They're on Instagram. You can find them. You can follow them. You can see them on YouTube. I love what they did. It's very, very sweet. Aww. So Voice of Eden conducted by Nishant Emmanuel. Master, the tempest is raging. Or, peace be still. Master, the tempest is raging. The billows are tossing high. The sky is overshadowed with blackness. No shelter or help is nigh. Carest thou not that we Moment so madly is threatening a grave in the angry
really beautiful and sweet I have to think that's kind of how they would have wanted it yeah Mm. I think so too so that's voice of Eden they Mm -hmm. have a bunch of other hymns that they do I love the addition of the violin oh yeah I like that too yeah so Kelly we have to do hymn takes Mm -hmm. so the language can be a little tough with this one it's it's kind of Mm old-fashioned it's it's kind of wordy actually Mm. so what part of the hymn is the part that you're going to want to remember, the part that will stay with you. My hymn take is Mary Ann Baker or Mary Baker Eddy. What? I mean, I don't know. I just think on paper, you would think that she was like this sad, you know, woman who, you know, lived in a bunch of places, had to live with her sister, got kicked out because the sister got married. And I don't know. I just feel like she was always doing something. She was almost like reinventing herself. She's an inspiration. Mm. She kept working. She lived through the great fire. She lived through a real crisis of faith after her brother William died. But even before that, she lived through lots of grief and tragedy. And she just kept going and always had something to do and it was stuff that was you know for her about her faith definitely her hymns and her in her writing I think she was an awesome woman I really really enjoyed researching her I mean I would love to think that we're going to see her again on the podcast but like I don't think so probably not (laughs) I mean not unless it's like some periphery where we're talking about Horatio Palmer right right she doesn't have any hymns that we know and I think her most common songs besides this one are Mm. temperance Mm. songs that we don't know so I mean I think her words are really poetic and really beautiful in just knowing her grief knowing how hard she took her brother's death when you look at the words of verse two Mm. Torrents of sin and of anguish sweep o'er my sinking soul. Mm. I mean, I have to think that she thought she was sinking, Mm. sinking in grief, sinking in depression, just sinking. Mm. And what was going to pull her out? I mean, she is saying, I perish. So she's praying. (gasps) She's praying, just come and get me. Come and get me now. Yeah, I just, I I feel for her. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Anna, mm-hmm. for bringing this to our, t- our attention. We totally need more hymn requests, Cal. We had yep. quite a list for quite some time, yeah. and that list has dwindled. Mm-hmm. We would love to hear from you. What's your favorite? A special mm-hmm. hymn that you love, a mm-hmm. hymn that you grew up singing. Let's dive in. I mean, we've done 85. Yeah, <laughs> but there's still more left. Way more. Way, way more. more. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll be back in two weeks. Two weeks. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone.